Welcome to our PME. This is Saratova Beth. We are going to learn a little bit about Pesach, about what Matzah is, but the but the introduction is what moment in history we're in right now. Because if you know the history of of the Gulf War, to say it all in a couple of sentences or less, um, as I read recently, in 1981, when the Israeli the Israeli army, the Israeli Air Force bombed the, um, the, the base, the Air Force bases, um, they bombed the reactors in, in Iraq, <coughs> nuclear reactors. And for 10 years, Saddam Hussein, the modern day Haman, planned to, Rahman Islam, do what Haman had wanted to do. We have to be careful how we speak about these things. And so, and 10 years later, he really had the ability Saddam Yamashumai to do his evil deeds, and he and all of those scuds, the kind of scuds that he had prepared to send, <clears throat> each one was capable of Rahman Islam, most unbelievable human and property damage, but human casualty. We don't want to say we have. We don't want to say as <clears throat> someone said. You know, one scud fell in Saudi Arabia. It killed 400 people. It it named Hundreds, 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 excuse <coughs> me, all from one scud. So we're all familiar with the fact that there was a massive miracle that year in that war, Tufshin Nunalif, you'll see these wonders, in which 39 scuds fell and no one, no one of the Yidden was injured. There was, only, there was one woman who was running on the staircase and she had a heart attack. And that was the extent of the human injury, the human casualties, which is beyond miraculous. However... He had prepared, Saddam had prepared chemical war, warheads, and to this day, nobody can understand, first of all, what they would have achieved. It's beyond something that we want to even discuss. What his chemical warheads were capable of doing. His scud was 36 feet long, and what his chemical warheads could do, we're not going to, we're going to say it in relation to, I don't know, a population of ants or something, that kind of, those kind of chemicals, nerve gas, whatever, beyond, beyond horrific. We, we don't want to say. And the, and he never used any of it. And not because he was a good guy. And not because he regretted and he had a little Rahmanis. None of that was applicable to him. He was a complete monster who would do the most bloodthirsty, horrifying things to his own people that just didn't like the color of his shoelaces or something like that. And, and everybody knew it. And he, he wasn't embarrassed about it. And so the fact that he just never used his chemical warheads for it, towards us, the modern-day Haman never did what he planned to do towards us, is beyond any military or political understanding whatsoever. And we know it was Tafshin on Aleph. Hashem made unbelievable miracles of a magnitude that most people don't know about. As it says, Anan... When you're in the middle of a huge miracle, you don't realize that you're in the middle, middle of a huge miracle. That's what happened then. But that year, the Rebbe referred to this coming year, I think it was that year, in the footnote saying 30 years later, Tufshin Te'alaf, as opposed to Tufshin Nunalaf, would be Plotharenu instead of Niflotharenu. And the difference between the Plot and Plot is, the Plot is you have tremendous wonders, tremendous miracles, but there's a nun, there's a nafila after that. Everything kind of seems to fall into 
you know, stage two. But closer and this year, there's no, there's no falling down after that. That one doesn't happen. So, so with that introduction, we understand that we're probably in the midst of a miracle in which there are mass, in a year in which there are massive, massive wonders and miracles going on and we're just not cognizant of what's really happening or let's just say what could have happened that we've been protected against. Everybody's walking around saying, really, where are the plus? Where are the miracles? Where are the wonders? And really, we have to take it the other way. We have no idea what was in the planning stage for this year and even last year. And that has kind of been unplanned from above. So as we go, you know, and it was Purim to Purim, this year of everything topsy-turvy. So as we now prepare for Pesach, which is what we're going to do now, we're going to do this mimer about Masa, um, Tavshin Mentes, that was of 1989, that was the year after Tismach, and the year, the, the, the Pesach, the Pesach right before Tavshin Nun. Tavshin Nun was 5750. Chronologically, you know, in the mystical numerology, it's three quarters of Erev Shabbos, you know, 1,000, 6,000 years, 5750. Three quarters, I guess, on the dot, and Tavshinun Nasnisim. So here is the Pesach. We're learning now a mimer, a short mimer, that is from Pesach, the Pesach just preceding the year of miracles. And since that year of miracles, by the way, everything has turned upside down. Everything has been very out of the box. The 90s, the 90s, and the two since 1990. Nothing has been normal ever since then. Everything is just, wow, you're, you're in for a wild ride, and it gets wilder as we go. So this preparation through this mimer of Pesach just preceding that, eating the matzah, eating the poor flat bread just before that, clearly prepares us for the wild ride that we're going to be, get, be going on that's simultaneously light and miracles coming from above that will just take us to the Ga'ul in a most powerful way. Okay. So this is Yud Gimel Nisan, Tashin Nimtes. I'm just going to read a couple of lines in Hebrew and then I'm going to mostly say it in English. So this matzo. Now picture yourself now at the, the Seder. We're fast forwarding. Or go back to see yourself. It's 1989. And you're sitting and you're holding this, the, the matzah, and you have no idea. It's Pesach 18, 1989. You have no idea what kind of 30 years are about to just hit the world that will turn your whole life upside down. So there we are. Let's imagine that. There we are, 1989 Pesach. We're holding this matzah. We say, this matzah that we're eating, why are we eating it? What is it all about? Our forefathers. We, really, there we were, a couple of hundred years in slavery, and now we were going to leave. And you need food. If you're, go- if you're leaving, you know, who travels, if you're Jewish, who travels without food, right? <laughs> you know, five sandwiches for a two-hour trip. So what are we going to eat? So we're preparing food for the way. It's an unknown journey. We're leaving slavery. We're leaving the crime. We're going into the desert. 
make sure you take food and water, or at least take some food. So in those days, what's food? We we had the dough. We prepared the dough and put it on our backs. I guess we put it in our backpack. I mean, I don't think they literally put it on their backs, but everybody probably, every woman probably had a, shouldn't have a bag. There were no plastic bags, but some kind of a container with her dough in it. Um, and she put it in and maybe the, he, she, you know, let's say the, the head of the family put the dough in his knapsack together with other things and off they went. Everybody, we, we left Mithraim together. Problem was, um, it did end up baking. You know, I guess they were thinking, well, we'll get to a certain place where the dough will rise and then it will, um, and we'll have bread. You know, it'll be warm enough and it'll rise. But I guess if you take dough and, um, you know, anybody who makes bread or challah, you know that it has to be at a lower temperature in order to rise, and then you put it at 350 to bake. So it didn't seem to have that, I guess it was, you know, in direct contact with the hot sun. So there was, it, 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 it didn't really rise. And also, sitting at home before we ran out, there was no time for it to rise. So we just took the dough, and it kind of got baked on everybody's back, into whatever it was, and it never got a chance to rise. Okay. Well, he speaks of the of the same Our dough couldn't rise. Now we're going to see what does that mean spiritually. Our dough couldn't rise. Our not only couldn't. When we are leaving slavery, our dough will not rise. We have to figure out what our dough is, and why it won't rise when we're when we're leaving slavery. Now, there is a moment when it will rise. When Hashem appeared in all of his essence, glory, he came, he appeared, and he redeemed us. Then everything changed. Okay. So, it's explained in Grushev Rabbeinu Nisiyenu, in Lukut Eterah, Parshat Tzav, etc., that... Um, uh, you hear that um, when it says why? So again, let's go back to our seder in 1989. I'm holding onto this piece of matzah. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, why am I eating this matzah? Maybe there's a child at the table asking, why are we eating matzah? Well, because we put the dough on our backs as, and we do every year. When I want to get out of my slavery, my personal and my communal slavery, there's something about the dough that I'm going to bake into something that will sustain me, that it needs to rise, but it's not going to rise when I'm coming out of my personal slavery. And that's why I'm eating this matzah. So in 1989, with this piece of matzah, I'm finding out that there's something about how I'm approaching my life and what's going to be happening for the next 30 years plus about the whatever is sustaining me and nourishing me, the way I'm used to, the mindset, and whatever I use to nurture and nourish myself, is going to be different from now on. Everything's about to change. And so the reason we eat matzah and Pesach, we said, because the dough didn't rise, and it doesn't rise. The interesting thing is, the commandment to eat matzah was before that. 
So really, for that particular day, I'm not sure when the commandment happened, maybe on Shabbos Agadol, the Shabbos before, which was the 10th of Nisan, at some point before we left Mitzrayim, we were already commanded, I think the night before, prepare for yourself matzahs, matzahs, not bread, matzahs and carbon Pesach, and, you know, eat this in a certain way. So we already had a command, commandment about eating matzah. We were told, prepare matzahs, flat crackers. It was a particular commandment. So isn't that why we eat matzah? If I'm sitting at my Seder and I'm looking at this piece of matzah, why am I eating it? Because I was commanded before I left my slavery to eat matzah first. I'm going to, Hashem says, eat matzah. Okay, I'm going to eat this, um, bake matzah. I'm going to bake it, flat bread, and then I'm going to eat it. Okay, and then I will take you out of your enslavement because you'll never do it by yourself. Well, I'll never do it by myself. Yeah, I agree. So Hashem says what you need to do is have that flat bread in your system and in your hands. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk. And then we'll, we'll be able to do this together. So that's why I'm holding a piece of matzah at my Pesach Seder in New York in 1989. Because it's, it's because of that commandment. Because this command on eating matzah, it says, it's a direct command, the Erev Tachlu matzah. It, the command was, in the evening, tonight, before, before you leave Mitzrayim, I want you to eat matzahs tonight. Way before, before anything, before you leave. And that word matzahs, by Arab Taisley matzahs, in the evening, matzahs, the, the, the word matzahs is spelled mem tzadik tes. No vav. Three letters, matzahs. It's minus the vav. Okay. It's one way to spell matzahs, no vav. Now, there's another process that says, and they baked the, the dough that they took out of Mitzrayim, ugas matzahs. They baked matzah cakes. They baked, you know, flat bread. That's a different matzah. There are two kinds of matzahs. The one that I was told to do before we left Mitzrayim. And the one that I wasn't told to do, listen, we need food. The second kind of matzah is, listen, we need food. Let's take our dough. Take it and run. You know, whatever you've got in the house, just take it and run and we're leaving. We're on the run. That second, and, and we ended up kind of baking matzahs in our backpacks or something. That, those matzahs, ugos matzahs, are written with a vav. Mem, tarik, vav, tas. So we've got two different kinds of matzahs that are used to redeem us from slavery. One I'm told to do and the other one I'm not told to do. The one I'm told to do is spelled just with three letters, no vav. The one I'm not told to do later on is spelled with four letters, with a vav. Interesting. So this command on eating matzah, it was before chatzah. You know how many of us are very careful to make sure the first seder that you finish before chatzah. So you have to, you know, say everything really fast and eat really fast and get that whole, you have to have the afikaymen, you're chewing and chewing and chewing, the afikaymen, and it has to be swallowed before chatzah. It's, it's quite an avaita, especially this year when the clocks change our mazel two weeks before. So you start the seder late, and you got to eat really fast. Oh, maybe the time of chatzah changes, I'm not sure, but you got to eat fast and swallow the whole afikaymen 
these four chasres, because something happens at midnight. Something happened at midnight then. Pesach night at midnight. Ding! Remember, Lahabdil still at Cinderella with midnight at 12 o'clock strikes 12. There's something to it. Maybe they get it from the real midnight, the real chatzah, in which we, Lahabdil, we came out of slavery. Which means that Pesach night at chatzah, you come out of your enslavement. The old you is left behind. The new you goes on an unknown journey. We're in a time in history now when the new you, the new us, is going on an unknown journey. We certainly can relate to the unknown journey in this year. A new me, I can relate to less, but unknown journey, oh yes. So the <clears throat> this commandment to eat matzah was before chatzah. And before Chatzis, we were still in slavery. Before midnight, we were still in slavery. And we were told, bake matzahs while you're still in slavery. And bake matzahs before Hashem reveals himself to you. So in this matzah, this is a matzah that is written in tough without It's a short form of writing the word matzah. And then we said, when we're talking about as we left, now we're we're free, we're leaving. And we put the dough on our back, and we took it out with us, and it ended up baking in our backpacks. And it was Ugas Matzos, it's spelled with more letters. That's one's talking about the matzo that we, we baked after we left slavery. Imagine that. How do you nourish yourself when you're in slavery? How do you nourish yourself when you're out of slavery? Two different realities. The second reality, when you're out of slavery, was ushered in after, as we said, after midnight on Pesach night. And also, the second way of nourishing yourself after you've left slavery, how did we get out of slavery? Hashem revealed himself and in his very essence, and he redeemed us. So, the matzah that once you've been redeemed and you're out of slavery, your matzah is a different kind of matzah. Maybe the first matzah was very poor matzah. You're in slavery. You're going to be given poor food. You're a poor person. Once you're out of slavery, you're actually wealthy. You're, you're spiritually and emotionally poor when you're a slave. You're spiritually and emotionally rich when you're no longer a slave. So the matzah you eat before is poor matzah. The matzah you eat later is rich matzah. Rich matzah for a rich person. I'm a rich man after I'm out of slavery. And that's why it says that the matzah before chatzah, it says, Yeshamartanus amitzvah, We were told when we were still slaves, the baking matzah, guard them. How come? They have to be guarded to not become chametz. Let's face it. When I'm enslaved, I can, it's easy to mess up. When I'm a slave, I'm just, my mindset is so messy that it's easy, you know, I do a commandment and it can go in the wrong direction and I do a mitzvah. I'm baking this matzah, this poor bread, and 
I can definitely, as a slave, fall into, you know, poor me, and it's so terrible, and how, you know, it's not right, and all that other stuff, and miss the richness of the connection that Hashem is making with me, because I'm a slave. I've got a slave mentality, and I've, I've got I basically, I'm stuck as a slave in an ancient, awful mentality. So that kind of masa, you know, poor bread, oh, that's all I need. You go to a person who's a poor person, you say, for you, we give you the poor bread. He's like, yeah. Watch what he's going to post on Facebook about his comments about society. They're going to be not very complimentary comments because you're giving a poor man poor bread. You got to really keep an eye on this poor bread. You have to know how to understand poor bread when you're in a poor situation, when you're emotionally poor situation. You have to know how to deal with your poor bread properly. It's there to help us, but we can easily misunderstand it. Now, the masa that we eat afterwards, once we're out of slavery, we baked it. Um, it wasn't the matzahs that we baked ourselves or got baked in the sun after midnight, once we're out of Egypt, they couldn't become hummus. They weren't susceptible. The first matzah was very susceptible. If you don't keep an eye on it, it's going to be, it's going to rise and it's going to become hummus. The second matzah, you don't, if you, you don't have to keep an eye on it. It'll be fine. You're, you're spiritually rich now. You're out of, you're out of the danger zone. You're out of slavery. It'll be fine. What you nourish yourself with, it'll be fine. You don't have to be so afraid. It's not going to become chametz because the masa after chastis, it's masas with avav. It's written with avav. What's avav? The revelation of nigla aleya malchem lachma kadosh baruch It's with Hashem's revelation just downloading right into our lives. And into this masa, you're spiritually rich. You have nothing to worry about. And therefore, after chatzos, that masa is is written with a with a full vav, because as we say, Hashem reveals Himself, and you don't have to be afraid that it will become chametz. So the difference between before chatzos and after chatzos was only one time. The first Pesach, before Matan Taira. After Matan Taira, even though the matzah that we eat on the night of Pesach, when we eat matzah, you know, there we are, this year, Pesach, 1989 Pesach, we're eating matzah, we specially make it a point to eat the matzah before. Chatzis. It's we're eating rich matzah. You know, we're eating the matzah with the vav. And it has the kind of matzah that we eat since Matan has the revelation of Nigla and Melech Machayim Lachem HaKadosh Baruch We eat it before Chatzai. But it's full matzah for free people. We eat it in, you know, only the first Pesach. We were poor. We had poor bread. After leaving slavery, we became rich and rich bread. We didn't have to guard it. Now we have both together. We eat the matzah before chatzah. But there's a fullness to it. Hashem has revealed himself to us and is revealing, and he reveals himself to us in the matzah. 
the moment, when you come to that moment of finally eating the matzah at the Seder, you've waited for it a whole year. And something magnificent is happening to you as you eat that matzah. So, um, and that's why it says in the Haggadah, matzah zu shanu aichin. We look at the matzah, we say, this matzah that we're eating, ashumah. How come we're eating it? That's what we say in the Haggadah. How come we're eating this matzah? Shalahi speak, lahachmit. We, we say about the matzah, it just didn't manage to become hummus. Hmm. It actually, this was a type of matzah. I am now eating, and I will eat this year at my Pesach Seder, and I did every single year, and especially 1989, a type of matzah that can't become hummus. Well, I'm just going to say, until, until Hashem reveals himself. So I'm going to just take us back for a second to 1989. We were about to enter an era, until now it's 30 plus years, um, and you know, 30 years or so, 30 now 32 years, we were about to enter it from that moment, 32 years that will be, I guess, this pace up, it will be 32 heart lays years in which, wow, we've gone on a wild ride. The year of miracles and wonders and all the stuff. I don't have to explain to you what, you know, it's a totally different world. We didn't have internet in 1989, not for most people. That was, a, remember those days when you had a landline and you didn't have internet and nobody was sitting on their computer and you did other stuff with your life? Plus, 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 plus. I'm not even going to mention all the other things. Life was totally different in 1989. And here we are 32 years later. We've been on a really wild ride. And the thing is we understand we would be eating masa from that point on. And we, we really have been. You know, Hashem is nurturing us through that masa. If we make ourselves amenable to Hashem's influence and light, if we flatten ourselves and are ready to receive it, then we can move in sync with Hashem, and hopefully we have these past 32 years. But it requires that we guard it, that we don't think that I achieved it. Wow, I did this, I did that. That's Paro's kind of talk. We've been in a miraculous 32 years. You know, what? just even what you can accomplish today in terms of having a global influence, you know, create a podcast, a, 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 a video, you know, anything, uh, a blog, you name it. Anything can go global today. You have serious power. Since that moment of 1989, we were about to enter into 32 years of just out-of-the-box miraculous journey, you know, leaping from, from, from one mountain to another. The chametz part of it would be, I thought I did it myself. Wow, I'm so amazing. I make these videos and they go viral. Not me. Oh, I'm so amazing. I have this website that does this and that. Anybody can do it today. I'm going to give you an example. You know, because of what goes on with the media and the news, we're not going to go into it. But what has popped up are tons of um, alternative news stations that will give you, you know, the other side of the story. We'll leave it at that. But you really don't know which is which because all you have to do is, you know, get a green screen and know a little bit the technical stuff 
And what you, it looks like you're sitting in a news studio with all of Manhattan behind you or all of Los Angeles or all of, you name a country, you know, you name a city, you know, London behind you or Paris behind you with all the lights twinkling and you're sitting in front of this huge window and you're in this massive news studio and you're interviewing people. Anybody, right, and anybody and everybody can do this. And really, the guy's sitting in his living room, and he has a green screen, and he's just sitting in front of his little laptop that he got for $400. And he's interviewing people on the split screen on Zoom or something that also have their little laptop, and they're also sitting in front of their green screen that can look like they're, you know, whatever you want it to look. And any everybody in his uncle, you know, Maisha Pippik, you know, excuse me, can make a, you know, welcome to the news, the news, uh, the news right now, you know, worldwide newscast. Anybody can do it. You don't know who's real, who's not, what's real, what's not. Is it really a news station? Is it really CBS, NBS? Anybody can do it. That means I can have a global influence. Start my news station. I don't particularly want it. I want to start a Torah news station. But that was not really possible for the average person in 1989. Once that became possible, the Rosh Hashanah that would start right after Pesach was going to usher in this miraculous era, 32 years to date from that Pesach, of absolutely miraculous times when all of this becomes possible. And my matzah could become chametz easily. I could think that I'm amazing, that I have this news station, and I have 2,000 followers, 15,000 followers. They listen to every word I say. For the, I, I'm their source of news. I can think it's me. That's called matzah that becomes chametz. That's taro, saying it's me. It's not Hashem, it's me. So the test, when life starts to become massively big and miraculous, the test is for me to keep on, keep in a massa situation of realizing it's Hashem, it's not me. It's Hashem, it's not me. The bigger my influence becomes, the more I, I'm, I'm called on to live in a massa reality where I realize it's Hashem, it's not me. I'm not becoming puffed up and thinking, thinking it's me. Puffed up doesn't mean, I, you know, people say, you know, you have 5,000 followers. No, no, it's not impossible. I do it, let's say, if I have a newscast. Maybe it's true I have 5,000 followers. That's not the issue. Like, whoa, you know, and if somebody says, wow, your newscast really is great. I don't have to say, no, it's terrible. I just have to, it's, I don't have to, I have to acknowledge it's not me, it's Hashem. And so that whole union of living in the masa that needs to be guarded, the matzah that there was a command on, that needs to be guarded throughout these miraculous years that are taking us to the geula, which then, once Hashem reveals himself in his very essence, then he puts us in a situation where we can live in a matzah, in a world of matzah, where we don't even have to be afraid because now our biggest test is not um, is not that, but now what we want to do, our test becomes how 
how big an influence can you have? How big an influence do you, do you partner with Hashem in having in spreading the truth to the entire world? The, 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 the opportunity then switches from keeping yourself very small to becoming very big. And yet at the same time realizing that it's Hashem and not you. So the answer to all of this and where this takes us all will be in our the next segment. We're dividing this year into two. So, and in the meantime, in Red Hashem, we should find ourselves with the Masa in hand, with Hashem revealing Himself, Hashem revealing Himself to us in the Gula Mitzvah and it should be immediately now. And stay tuned Amen. for the second segment.